Hello and welcome to the Doc Arena podcast in association with Film Ireland. My name is Ross Whitaker, and in this fortnightly podcast series, I talk to filmmakers about their documentaries, both in terms of the subjects they choose and the way in which they fund, craft and distribute their work. In this episode, I'm delighted to speak to Maeve O'Boyle, the editor and one of three co-directors of the new feature documentary, The Eighth. The film is now widely available to watch in cinemas and across platforms in the UK and Ireland. The Eighth tells the story of Irish women and their fight to overturn one of the most restrictive laws on abortion in the world. After a 35-year struggle, the pro-choice side have to radically shift tactics to try to bring this historically conservative electorate over the line. Here's the trailer for The Eighth. On Friday, voters will go to the polls to decide on whether to remove or to keep the Eighth Amendment from our Constitution. This was the most historically divisive issue in Ireland ever. We've waited 35 years. We've just for one week to do it, and we're going to bring it home. Women are still travelling, women are still in danger. This government needs to protect women's lives. We absolutely have to do something. What they're trying to do is take God out of society. Sadly, the answer is, we'll just get rid of it, instead of, what do you need? There was that sense that women couldn't be trusted. And I think the women of Ireland have rolled over for long enough. Why can't I love glitz and glamour and still feel passionately about women's rights? Imagine if you could get this army of women putting that pressure on and to feel empowered. Something magical happened where it became a symbol of women's equality in Ireland. All these stories being somehow set free of trying to change the country. It's actually about the value that we're putting on women in Irish society. People do recognise it's a kind of a backlash. What happens here in Ireland will have a knock-on effect. We are creating an Ireland which values women, our bodies, our choices, ourselves, our lives, absolutely equally. Hi Maeve, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Just to... Just to begin, I suppose, could you tell us a little bit about what the film is about? Well, the film is um, about the campaign to repeal the Eighth Amendment. And um, we follow uh, Alva Smith, who is the one, one of the um, heads of Together for Yes, and also Andrea Horan, um, who runs a nail bar, Tropical Popical. And um, we also interweave historical vignettes of the uh, of of the, the the legacy of the Eighth Amendment that kind of spanned thirty five year period. Tell me, why did you want to? How did you get involved in in making this film? Why did you want to do it, and where did you start? Well, um, so I I directed this film with um, Aideen Kane and Lucy Kennedy, and the three of us kind of came together. Back in around 2016, we met in New York. Um, Aideen had moved back to New York. She had been living in Mayo and had moved back. And then Lucy was also living and working in New York City as well. I had just recently moved back to Ireland. But anyway, we came together, the three of us, and had a chat about this, this issue and talked about whether or not this would be something we'd be interesting, interested in collaborating on. And I suppose um, 
just speaking personally for myself, you know, this is an issue that has always been front and center, a kind of shadow for me uh, growing up in Ireland. You know, I, I have early memories back to 1984 when Anne Lovett died, you know, the age of 15, you know, at the foot of the Virgin Mary in Granard uh, with her baby, at, you know, a hidden pregnancy, which she carried to term. And this was something I remember seeing on the news. I must have been about 11 years old and thinking there's something wrong. You know what I mean? There's something wrong with this situation. And I suppose, you know, if you kind of roll forward to when I was in college, the X case happened um, you know, this, you know, you, you just endlessly heard about women in crisis pregnancies, you know, traveling uh, overseas uh, for abortions and terminations or, or not making it or all kinds of terrible things happening. And so I suppose personally, and I, I think Lucy and Aideen also felt the same way, that this was something that was a very important story for our generation to tell. So three Irish women met in New York and, and kind of decided to take this forward. A lot of these kinds of conversations happen among people you know around issues even filmmakers who say god that's a topic that someone should cover or maybe we should do that why do you think the three of you coming together made this begin to happen i suppose you know when you're all three of us have lived in the states for a really long time um i've lived there for 18 years and i only moved back recently and uh, adian has been back and forth but is, is is based there now and same with lucy uh, you know i suppose there is the added value of, I suppose, being away and being able to look at the country from which, from where, where you're from, with a certain kind of lens, a different kind of, a little bit of a distance, and 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 see it, and that that, that colors your perception and and maybe makes you it separates you to the point where you can perhaps have a clearer vision of what's going on. Uh, I mean, I was in New York when Savita Halepanover died. You know, I, 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 you know, protested with a small group of Irish people um, outside the consulate that night. And, you know, it was a very moving experience. We were all expats, basically, but we were all kind of coming together. So I suppose it just sometimes lended a clarity to the issues that were at hand in Ireland. Um, that said, you know, I, you know, also just this really strong connection to want to tell that story as well because it's our story you know it's something that we grew up with and we're surrounded with so there is that kind of nice cross fertilization between the two places and being able to um utilize that to be able to tell the clearest story we could i mean we definitely had an international audience in mind as well as an irish audience wanted to straddle both yeah that's that's a tricky one as well isn't it because you have to think about who your audience is and if you were doing this for an irish broadcaster you would approach it in a very specific way and you could assume a certain amount of knowledge of the history and the context. At the same time, I'm sure you wanted an Irish audience to be able to watch and enjoy this too. In your early thoughts around the film, how did you feel you might go about balancing those things? That's a good question um, and it's a challenging one. I think, you know, like we had a lot of conversations about how we would deal with the historical narrative. It was a, a big challenge because there was a lot to tell. Um, in fact, we had a section in the film originally that uh, was a 1922 section, believe it or not. Uh, so we were going to trace a, a hundred years and then it just became completely unmanageable. It was like 35 years is absolutely massive in, in, in the scale of what happened in these 35 years to women. Um, and so we felt like we needed to keep it in check. But I suppose 
you know, um, one thing that I'll just say is it was interesting. Um, my, my little cousin came to the online. She was doing transition year and she was, you know, 16. And she said, I didn't know that there was a referendum in 1983. You know what I mean? And so I realized for a younger generation of Irish uh, women and men that they wouldn't know some of these stories so that it would be relevant for them. But also for a larger, more international audience, we needed to tell you about things like 1983 we needed to tell you about the x case we needed to give you some like the legal the medical the various different things that had happened over the course of this period in order for you to kind of have a greater perspective on on context um and i suppose we felt that that would play both with an irish audience of all ages and also an international audience so that was how we tried to kind of do it so the core of of, of, of that kind of dialogue, I suppose, would be in the historical vignettes to give context and, and, and to, to speak to the larger picture. Because sometimes as filmmakers, we see exposition as our enemy. You know, we, we, we don't want to spend too long giving context because you think it'll take people out of the unfolding narrative of what's happening, which in this case is following the campaign towards a referendum. The other side of that is that the context is what creates the emotional backdrop in which this story is happening and helps to make the audience understand and be moved by the campaign. It's not just a campaign between two sides that feel differently about something. It has real importance and historical resonance. For the most part, you're following the campaign to repeal the eighth. However, you do allow the other side to have a say at times in the documentary. How did you gain access both to the people that you wanted to follow as, as your main protagonists, but also for the other side, knowing that that's probably what you were doing, were you able to present to them a good case for their participation as well? Well, I mean, um, I suppose just to, to, to say that the three of us, you know, were coming at this film from a, from a pro-choice perspective, and we, we all felt strongly that the film had to have a point of view. But what we did was, in terms of approaching both sides, was we kind of approached them you know, in and around the same time um, to try and be even-handed and fair about it. Now, we, we definitely wanted to include the no side. Um, but, um, you know, probably given our, 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 our where we were coming from, you know, we had a very favourable response from the yes side and, you know, a less favourable response from the no side. There was, you know, uh, you know definitely people um, declined and said that they weren't willing to be on camera. But... Um, but then, of course, we did manage to get some people who agreed to to talk to us. And, you know, we really do feel so grateful that Wendy Grace and Cora Sherlock and John McGurk, et cetera, were all, you know, um, able to, to speak out on the issue because we felt that it was really important to hear their points of view. And also just, you know, I think it just was crucial to have a certain kind of balance within the film so that you understood their perspective. It, it, it sharpened the, the pro-choice side as well. It showed the stakes as well. And it, you know, kind of, it's also just from a historical perspective, you needed to understand th how massive this issue has been on both sides and how, um, you know, how divided it has been really over the last 35 and more years. Um, so I suppose, you know, that's how we really approached it. We kind of approached it kind of simultaneously, but, you know, we ended up meeting Alva and, and she was very much on board for following, uh, for us following her. And she also felt it was really important to create a historical document of this issue. So she saw the value in it immediately. Whereas with the other side, there was, you know, they understandably were somewhat skeptical, et cetera. You know what I mean? So 
that was kind of the initial stages. In the film, you very much follow the Together for Yes campaign, who are in favour of repealing the 8th and allowing abortion in Ireland. But you also feature interviews with and some scenes with people on the no side of the campaign. Can you talk a little bit about getting access to the no side and why it was important to include them? The three of us sat down, obviously, and talked about this issue and where we stood on the issue. Now, all of us were coming from a pro-choice perspective, but that said, we absolutely wanted to create a nuanced kind of considered film where we wanted to consider the other side as well. We felt that it was kind of crucial to understand both sides and to, you know, you wouldn't understand the issue unless you understood kind of the no side as well as the yes side. Plus, it also kind of showed you what the yes side were up against. So, I mean, it was it was crucial for many for many aspects. So we approached um, really we kind of approached both sides pretty much simultaneously. Um, and, you know, we got much more favorable responses from the yes side. In terms of um, the no side, they basically, you know, were understandably skeptical at the beginning. And um, and yet we did manage to get many interviews with Cora Sherlock, John McGurk. And then Wendy, uh, Wendy Grace gave us and, you know, we were allowed to spend some time with her in her in her radio studio. And of course, that's probably the most important scene in the film in terms of the no side, because we get to hear her perspective. And she's a young woman as well, you know, around the same age as Andrea, actually. Um, she's of childbearing age and so on and so forth. So the stakes were higher for her. So it was interesting to hear Wendy's point of view. And also, interestingly, some of her points of view kind of uh, crossed over. She had a certain feminist point of view. Women, you know, women weren't given the tools, you know, et cetera, et cetera, to have children. And, you know, they weren't given the support systems and so on and so forth. And I think many feminists would agree with that on both sides of, of this issue. So... So that's how we approached it. We did try to embed with the no side and, and unfortunately they, they wouldn't allow us access and that's understandable. But um, yes, we were able to embed it together for yes, of course, and the HQ there. So, um, so that was really how we approached it. And we're just, you know, very great, grateful to the no side for giving us some access, you know, and we felt it was very important in the film to be able to understand both sides. Your credits before this film were mostly on the editing side. You're coming into this being part of a directorial team. To what extent was that a new challenge? How did it kind of stretch you in terms of, of trying to think a little bit differently about your approach to things? Because I know a lot of editors who, who like the idea of getting out of the edit suite and, and, and being directors, but they're, they've become very used to actually dealing with the footage that they get as opposed to, you know, figuring out what the footage is that they want. And I'm just curious to know how you approach that coming from the editing suite and, and wanting to kind of be part of a directing team on this. Yeah, um, well, I, I suppose it was interesting. I, I'd, I'd done, I, I'd done a lot of feature documentaries by the time I, um, as, an, as an editor, by the time I, uh, you know, tackled this, uh, this film. And I'd felt a lot, a lot all the way along that I'd been working so closely with the directors and often when they were shooting, that I was kind of, you know, all not not necessarily directing, obviously, because you know th that's very different. But I, almost from from afar, I was helping them kind of make decisions around what to do and what to film and how to do it and so on and so forth. And I just kind of thought, listen, maybe I should give this a go myself because I've been doing so much of that. Um, 
so uh, it was a huge challenge, of course, once I was finally in the field and actually doing it. <laughs> and what a humbling process it was. It was just like, oh, my God, because as an editor, of course, you know, you go into the edit and you're just like, oh, I just cannot believe that they didn't turn the camera this way for that moment. It's just, uh, you know, I can't, just I'm shocked. You know what I mean? Like you're always so you're so appalled by the mistakes that were made in the field. And suddenly I was in the field and I realized, oh, my God, everything's going wrong. I feel like this is overwhelming. You know, and, and I, I, you know, and particularly it was it was an interesting one because I chose something like so, so, so kind of massive and like you know overwhelming to some degree my first shoot was actually on the bus for appeal down to cork and it was just you know fantastic women from rosa um and they were um out there protesting but you know we were just i was with laura mcgann the camera woman and she was just fantastic but at the same time you know you're just thrown out of the bus the camera's going everywhere there's loads of protesting happening and so you know it just was a really amazing process but also very overwhelming at the at, in the early stages um one interesting part, though, of being an editor and also being in the field, I suppose, was I, I, I tried when we were shooting, I tried to kind of sometimes edit in my head. So I'd be like, we should go there. No, I need to get that over there because I'm going to I'm going to cut to that later. You know, this, that and the other. So I was kind of sometimes on the fly editing while I was actually kind of directing, if you like. So that was kind of a, a useful skill to have, I suppose, on the on, a, on the kind of not the negative side, but the, the, the more challenging part was obviously the relationships. You become invested in the in, in the people that you're filming. You're interviewing them all the time and so on and so forth, and you're following them. And so you're following the campaign. And obviously, it was a very emotional campaign. And then you're suddenly in the edit. And, you know, that's why you have editors is that the editors aren't there so that there's a divide or that there's a separation between those relationships so that you can come in as a storyteller you know, without those added emotions. But I mean, I tried very hard to kind of um, keep keep a distance to some degree and be, you know, put my editing hat on. And that, and I also collaborated um, with my significant other, actually, Jordan Montmany, who also edited the film. So like, it was really brilliant to have a collaborator who, 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 who wasn't in the field. So it was great to have the two of us doing it together. He had more of a distance and more of a kind of um, yeah, more of a measured kind of approach to the edit in, in, in that regard. So that was really great. Yeah, it's fantastic that you were able to keep your editing hat on because I think what can happen to people sometimes when they first go out is that the experience can be so overwhelming that it's hard to start making those decisions and just go into that mode of like, well, we'll just film everything and I'll figure it out later. But there is so much going on when you're actually on those shoots and, and part of the challenge, I suppose, is just constantly reacting and constantly doing that editing in your head to to figure out what do I need next. And I also had brilliant camera people who like I, Matt Lee was with me uh, on the fly kind of, you know, and we filmed all over the country, um, you know, and, and that was a really brilliant partnership because he was um, very used to doing observational kind of camera work and he had great relationships with a lot of the, uh, of Alva and Andrea and so on. And so that was, that was really brilliant. Um, so, you know, there was, great partnerships there and Laura McGann and we did some of the historical with Esme from McNamee who was fantastic um, and um, Michael O'Donovan and Aidan McGuire also did camera but the, the, you know the camera person is your you know I, I realized obviously once I was out there filming there you know they're your particularly in film like this you know they become your partner and your storytelling partner I think where you're really talking about what what do you want to do in this scene what are you going to do what what do you want to achieve so Certainly Matt and I would have those conversations before we would go to a protest or go into Alva's house or whatever and just 
talk it through in advance. So that was really helpful as well. Yeah, I noted it, I noted in the credits that you put together a really strong team and, and people like Matt Lee and Laura McGann have also done a lot of observational directing, um, which presumably helps a lot. And, and that gives you a certain type of comfort, maybe that they will naturally go towards the story, but then you can evolve that uh, in a different direction if you want to. When you're coming towards the edit then, I noted when I was watching it that there are so many different elements to this film. You know, you have history in and of itself, but that also operates as a context. You have two competing sides and an an unfolding narrative. Within those different sides, you've got numerous characters. There's at least one or two other interviewees who are not necessarily on either side of the argument and and are, are helping to provide context. How did you feel you would balance those at the beginning of the edit? And then how did that evolve as you went along to just try and get the measurements right? Because too much history can maybe be overwhelming for an audience or, or, or too much campaigning without the history can maybe make you not understand why this is so important. Well, I mean, this is where I get kind of like geeky and become a total like editor. The editor hat goes on because I kind of basically... You know, we had the historical elements, but you knew that you couldn't do them for too long because you had a running a campaign that was running parallel. And so, you you know, you know, this is this is, as I say, like you in my head, I had to parse them out roughly around the same amount of time in between each so that there was a sense of uh, of, of structure and kind of um equilibrium between all four of the historical vignettes. Like if you did 1983 and then you didn't come back to that kind of idea for like 30 minutes, I think you're going to have a problem in the edit. So you need to come back to it sooner. And so, you know, we knew that we had to interweave these historical vignettes. And so the huge challenge in this film was to try and find ways in which the campaign spoke to those historical vignettes so that we could get to them. So you had to plan the the kind of contemporary story so that you could land into the X case, so that you could land into Tomb, for example, that these things were things that you needed to interweave, but, but seamlessly. Um, so I suppose the audience member doesn't, doesn't, doesn't realize it, and, and nor should they, but, but, but you have planned very carefully so that you're feeling like the histo- history is there, but it's not necessarily always there but it, it, it's it's shadowing over the whole film if you like do you know what I mean we, we realized early on that the, the history couldn't be too long because it would pull you away from the contemporary so we had to keep them around two to three minutes max um you know or four something like that would, would, would be the most and um you know it was more a question of where to put them and how and then in terms of the contemporary just to not maybe not to be too technical, but we've we divided the film into three act a three act structure so that the first act was really we knew we had to tell you we knew you had to meet the protagonists you had to understand 1983 you had to understand the challenges that they were facing and the historical legacy around this issue in Ireland <clears throat> that had to be the first third and then the second a second act is 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 the actual campaign itself which I will say was the hardest part of the edit because we um, had to kind of drive you through, bring up some issues, you know, counter those issues as well, show you the historical as well, and, and basically bring you 
to a kind of almost climactic level where they're going to vote. So, you know, that was the challenge of the second act. And then the third act was was the the, the final, the, the result of the referendum, etc. Um, so that was kind of how we structured it. I find it much easier to break a film down into parts um, when it's something as complicated as this and, and, and think of things as strands. So I would be cutting the... Uh, and Jordan also would be cutting the kind of like Alva's story, for example, separately to um, Andrea's story and so on and so on. And then it's the interweave is where things get 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 tricky. But that's kind of how, the, how we approached it and with the historical vignettes interwoven, as I say. And um, one of the other challenges, the chorus of voices of women who spoke, one of the ideas was that that would be interwoven throughout the film. But we realized that we wanted to use that as kind of like a, climactic point in the film where those voices were kind of almost metaphorically released um, and so that's why we placed them right before the vote so that was that was how we kind of structured that as well but that was something that was quite tricky during the edit as well yeah and when you say a chorus of voices you mean kind of these disembodied voices talking about their experiences which placing them just before the vote itself became incredibly powerful um, it was the climax of everything that you'd been talking about. And I can imagine how when you were planning this film, you would think, well, th that's fine. We will weave those throughout the film. It makes perfect sense on paper. Um, and it, it will continuously remind you of the importance of this. And I can also see how you got to the edit and realized that, oh, you know, it, they, it might lose its power if, if you do it throughout. So these are the kinds of things that sometimes that sometimes you're, you're in, I suppose the best laid plans sometimes just run aground when you get to the edit, but it, it still has a value. It's just trying to figure out where where does it go? Were, were there any other experiences in the edit like that? One of the challenges, thinking back, was in the second act is, is dealing with some of the issues that were being fought in the campaign and what to cover and what not to cover. You know, there was other issues that we really wanted to deal with. Like, for example, the abortion pill was like such a massive issue in Ireland leading up to this and with all of our research you know we knew that this was something that was happening but we couldn't quite you know kind of fit it in to the same degree as we as we as we kind of wanted to because it was kind of a, a you know a game changer for some people that that was happening in Ireland but um you know we couldn't do it all it, it, it's it's a vast vast thing this this story so we 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 tried to do deal with the 12 weeks 24 weeks we you know we kind of dealt with the issues that 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 we had in fact you know that we'd filmed because we, we we had those scenes in together for us where they were parsing through some of these problems so that's how we kind of did it we also i mean the people on the street was a, was was a really interesting part because it was very important to have people undecided trying to grapple with this we wanted to get the sense we wanted you to get the audience to get the sense that this is a country who was facing its history and trying to grapple with it and trying to come to terms with what are we going to do? What kind of country do we want to be? So we, we liked the idea of people on the fly kind of struggling with the issue, understandably struggling with the issue. So that was a very important part, but also something that we had to interweave as well. So there were many strands. Yeah, one of the things I really liked about it was that you you get to see the thinking and the conversations happening behind the scenes on the Together for Yes side about how they should campaign, what the campaign should look like, what are the, the things that they should focus on. And that kind of procedural element of an unfolding story is absolutely fascinating. Um, I was glad to see that in there because 
I thought that it strengthened the film a lot. And I've seen other films where they don't give you that kind of thing. It, it just focuses, it just keeps hitting you with the issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas actually the, the procedure is, is, is so fascinating. And also even getting, in the case of John McGurk on the other side, uh, his, his estimation of, of how good or bad an idea that was for the Together for Yes campaign to follow that particular approach. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I, what the question is, but that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, John, John McGurk was very forthcoming and he was very open about how he felt, you know, it, it should have gone. And um, and it is fascinating seeing people strategize. Of course, these, these women have been strategizing for like 10 years prior. <clears throat> but, you know, it, it was amazing to see them talk about the issues and how to how to message and how to how to handle handle um their message basically out in the world so that was yeah that was good it's such an important part of this particular campaign because of the complexity of it that you get to see how they think about putting it across and and the fact that it, they had kind of chosen empathy as their approach and it, it said a lot about the people involved after so many years of maybe thinking about how this campaign would go and, and what they should, how they should approach it, that they took that point of view. And so that was kind of really interesting to see and, and to be in the room for that. So that's one of the, a great strength of the film. One of the other things I noticed in the film, I suppose, was that the score was very understated and it really supported the material perfectly. As we said, you came to this as an editor I've worked with different editors. Some people like to have the, all the music on day one and they can cut with that. Other people like to wait until they essentially have a picture lock and, and then let's start doing the composing. How did you work with the composer for this film? Yeah, so we, um, Sarah Lynch was our composer and we, we were just absolutely thrilled with the score. Um, she um, came on um, probably in, you know, around the rough cut stage, I'd say, or maybe just before the rough cut stage. And um yeah, no, so I had a lot of temp music already in, um, which both, both Jordan and I did, but um, she, um, she kind of just worked through from that point on. And we kind of, one thing that we did approach was just, we, we, we looked at the film thematically. So like, um, you know, Alva, for example, had a theme actually that kind of uh, was echoing throughout the film. And then the main, the main, then I asked Sarah, for example, Sarah did the opening score which is beautiful but then I asked her if she could do some kind of variations on that theme and so we use that for example when the votes came in and so on and so forth so there are actually different strands and we kind of labeled things almost according to the different strands that were going on Andrea Alva um kind of more the, the kind of like general kind of uh campaign stuff and then essentially uh you know the kind of core core theme that 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 ran through the whole film so Yes, yeah, she did. She it, it, it was understated, but it was very a beautiful score. We felt it, it was it, it, we felt it captured the emotion. And I think that's what Sarah is absolutely brilliant at. She is really talented in that regard. It is a beautiful score. And I think it also speaks to your approach to the film in general, which I think is very even handed. And I'm imagining other versions of this film that, that could have happened that would have been very one sided. And, and it's not even really a matter of being one sided. It's a matter of creating a document, I think, that people can look at in years to come and really get a better understanding of women's lives in Ireland and that context and how it feeds into this particular campaign. So I, I thought all of that really matched 
very, very well. Speaking of that kind of document, how has the film been received by international audiences who maybe don't, who may have actually heard some elements of this because I'm, sh I'm sure elements of it have, have made international news, but maybe didn't know the full story? Well, I mean, it began, it, it premiered at Hot Docs and it was incredibly uh, successful there. In fact, it was, it, it was top five for the audience award in Hot Docs. So we, we felt like that was the initial litmus test and it, it was really well received. And I suppose one of the strange things about this situation is we haven't, we haven't actually sit, sat, you know, physically in a theatre with, with an audience, but we have had a lot of response through social media and just generally speaking in terms of the reviews and so on and so forth. And it seems to have, you know, been a very favourable response in terms of the Irish story. People, you know, I'd like to think that the, you know, there's enough context for you to understand, but, 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 but that you're really following a protagonist, Alva and Andrea and those guys trying to get this over the line. So, you know, I think it is an, it's also a very universal story, you know, for certainly for women um, across the globe. So, uh, and continues to be actually, you know, in the US and in Poland and various other countries. So, you know, it seems to have been resonating, certainly, um, you know, internationally. It's, it's playing in Poland, coming up soon and has already played there. It's played um, in South Africa, played all over the US and uh, you know, in the UK, and we're going to have our UK uh, launch in on the 25th of May alongside our Irish launch. So, you know, it, it, it certainly has been received very well to date. Yeah, absolutely. It's always difficult as a filmmaker, I think, from a small country where you, you, you might have great stories and fascinating stories and, and resonant stories, but it's very hard to know how they will be received in other countries. And I suppose we immediately think in Ireland of the UK probably and the US. Whereas if you make a story like this in the US, immediately you've got millions of people who potentially are interested in this. So trying to make a film, I suppose, that will speak to its Irish audience who are the protagonists of this story, but also has the potential to be received internationally is a very, very tricky thing. And it's hard to know how, when you're in the edit or, or, or when you're finishing the film, how is that going to work? And when when you say that you've, you've played at these festivals and you've got this reaction, I think that's just a, a really, really positive thing. And it shows that you've got the balance right. I don't know as an Irish person, if watching the film, if I can ever know, you know, what that balance is like for someone that grew up in Wyoming or Sydney or London or Edinburgh, you know? So it's great that you've got that feedback. And, and I'd kind of be interested to know, have you got specific feedback from individuals you know, who knew nothing about it that came to you and, 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 so, and sort of sent you messages and so on in this kind of COVID uh, festival world that we're in now, what kind of feedback do you get? I mean, we've just had um, so many, predominantly women, I suppose, responding on social media and emails and all kinds of stuff saying how moved they were by this campaign and by, you know, by, by Together for Yes and by, by all of the activists and, you know, there was a, a there's been a lot of press about the fact that we we also managed to um um bring in the no side as well and that we tr that we, we we were able to balance the two sides to some degree and that we you know didn't shy away from that so i mean and that's internationally speaking people were were, were talking about that so that's been a really positive response because we wanted that we wanted people to say you know you 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 didn't ignore you know you 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 uh, 
you addressed it. Um, but yes, no, women have been writing to us directly and saying, you know, we were very moved and so on and so forth and very and very geared up and excited to keep fighting the fight per se, you know, so that's been that's been encouraging too. Are you looking forward now to it being available to more of an Irish audience? We're really excited about it, um, uh, you know, having an Irish release. Like it's one of the most exciting places to play is Ireland, obviously, because this has been and it's such a it was such an incredible campaign. And so to finally share a film, I mean, it's w- one piece of work uh, of many, many pieces of work around this issue that have come out. But I mean, we're so excited to share it with an Irish audience. It, it's, it, you know, absolutely. And we're excited that it's uh, launching in the UK at the same time as well, which is really brilliant so yeah no can't can't wait thrilled about it actually just a couple more questions then it's great to be speaking to an editor of of such experience and uh, and you've been involved in some fantastic films in the past can you talk a little bit from an editor's point of view of of how your practice has evolved over the years in making documentaries i suppose what things have you learned that that you now bring to the table when you're doing each film wow that's a, a big question i suppose I'm, I, I've learned um, much more about structure and been quite strict around the way in which I put a film together. You know, I have learned, I, in my early years, I kind of looked at everything and tried to figure out how to do it. But now I'm always searching for like crucial plot points that I, you know, and perhaps the most important plot point, And I always put it at the two thirds of the way in and I just leave that there almost on the timeline because I want to build to that point. Another little tool that I had for certainly for the eighth was, you know, I sometimes put cards up on the wall with like large, large, huge ideas like silence, stigma, shame. This was, these were the cards for the eighth. We had them on the wall and, you know, just always looking at those cards as a kind of almost like a rope that you hold on to as you're trying to drive the narrative. So you don't let go of the rope. You you hold on to that rope as best you can. So, I mean, I think large thematic ideas that drive a story is something that I'm, I, I, I've learned as an editor, you know, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And um, it's, it's served, served me very well, I think. It's, it's funny how easy it is to forget those two gigantic elements. You know, you have, those are, that's everything, you know, structure and theme. So if you're not talking to your theme, what are you doing? Yeah, and really, I think that I, the theme or the idea, like that, that, that idea of style and stigma, shame, it, it needs to be like, kind of resonate in every scene that you're doing like so that you are holding on to that idea and that's the crucial part but if you let go of it the story just is less sharp so it, it it's one of these kind of core things that I've learned over the years uh, that really helps me tell a story one other tool that's useful as I said before is breaking it down into acts because if you break it down and each act has to kind of like in a way carry an idea as well so you've got your larger thematic idea and then you've got each act kind of carrying, uh, a, you know, a, a kind of a sub theme, if you like. And that can also help in terms of structure and in terms of storytelling, I find. Thanks to Maeve for taking part in the interview. Her film The Eighth is now widely available in the UK and Ireland. Thanks to Stephen Galvin and Film Ireland for supporting this podcast and to film composer Michael Fleming for kindly allowing me to steal his music. You can find more of it at michaelflemingmusic.com and thanks to you for listening.